Welcome to the IP Mentor Podcast. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to start the new year off successfully? If so, today's episode is for you. I'm Missy Travis, a certified IP and the creator of the IP Mentor Educational Series. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about kicking off the new year like an expert, so stay tuned as I teach you practical tips and skills for becoming an expert IP. Are you an infection preventionist who wants to gain practical skills while improving your program? Then I have a message for you. My name is Missy Travis, and I help new IPs go from novice to expert without ever leaving their desk. I've spent the past several years working as a certified infection preventionist, and now I want to help others learn to manage their program by connecting the dots with insight and experience. In short, I want to be your mentor. A mentor provides insider information that you just can't get from a book. If you are serious about starting your role as an infection preventionist, join me here on the IP Mentor Podcast each week where I will provide relevant information that you can implement in your own program. Let me take a moment to welcome you again to 2022. Last week, we talked about kicking off the new year like an expert. And so what does that look like? I want to talk to you about that over the next few podcast episodes so that you can get clear in your mind what it's like to start the year off like an expert and be ready for success in the new year. So last week we talked about what you need to get done first. So hopefully you were already starting to work on your plan for the year. You already have your goals and your risk assessment done. And so now you can move forward with actually implementing um, the different strategies and interventions that you need to get in place to achieve those goals and to address all the issues that you identified in 2021. So next on the list is annual training. Like it or not, most facilities have certain things that they have to complete every year in terms of training for their staff. And infection prevention is no different. There are certain things that we need to go over every year, even though we've talked about them multiple times. I hear you. I've done many of these presentations multiple times, but it's part of what we do and it is important to go over that because one thing that I think we forget as the infection preventionist is not everyone knows the things that we know. We've talked about these things so many times that it's second nature to us. But you have to remember that many of these healthcare providers that we are teaching, they only hear this once a year. Um, Yes, it probably comes up throughout the year, but to really go through all of these concepts, typically they're just going to get it once a year whenever we're talking about it. So it's important that we stay on point and that we continue to be excited about the things that we're teaching them and that we really address the annual training in a way that makes it more enjoyable and dare I say more fun. So while each facility has their own regulations to follow, 
I have come up with a list of the most common types of training that are needed on an annual basis. So keep in mind, this is not an all-inclusive list. Just like with anything, when I start talking about regulatory requirements, I always recommend that you do your own research because we all live in different states. Each state has their own requirements. Each facility type has their own requirements. Um, if you work in a larger corporation, they have requirements. And so it's important that you know what requirements are unique for your particular situation. That being said, I am going to talk about some of the most common ones that we see in healthcare facilities, and probably these are going to apply to your facility. Um, but keep that in mind that you still need to determine exactly what's required for you. So let's talk about some of these. Uh, first off is the OSHA Bloodborne Pathogens Training. Anyone who's working in healthcare is going to be subject to the OSHA requirements. Now, that being said, that each, some states have their own um, OSHA that, you know, or have their own state um, endorsed OSHA or enforced OSHA. Um, and so you want to look at if you do have one of those state um, OSHA branches, you want to see if there's anything different that they require above and beyond the federal OSHA bloodborne pathogens training. Not all states have their own OSHA. Um, so if you don't, then you're just going to follow the federal guidance. And you can look up the OSHA bloodborne pathogens training. Um, just go to OSHA.gov and you can easily search for that and find it. But there are some specific things that are required in the bloodborne pathogens training. Um, so I would look at that section specifically. And what I've done in the past is I've even created a little checklist whenever I'm creating my training presentation to make sure that I cover everything that they require in that training because it's very prescriptive. So when you get to the training section, look at all those different components and make sure that you have included all of those components in your training. Fit testing and training for N95 respirators. So if you have N95 respirators, um, in general, annual fit testing is required by OSHA, and then there is a training that you do for them, really just talking about how to wear the respirator, um, all the different uh, things that they need to know about storing the respirator, if you are reusing them at all, um, and just going through, um, letting them know that they need to uh, contact you if there are any major changes to their face or uh, their body composition in case they might need to be fit tested again throughout the year. Um, so that is something else that you can look for on the OSHA website and it tells you um, specifically what you want to cover for fit testing. Hand hygiene is another topic that typically we cover on an annual basis for infection prevention. I know what you're thinking, why do we have to talk about hand hygiene? Um, you know, I guess the short answer is most of us are not to that 90 to 100% percentile. Um, and so until we get there, I think we've got to keep talking about it, keep preaching it. And I will say that new things come up every year that people have either forgotten or maybe they just weren't paying attention in prior years. I'm talking about artificial nails. 
um, using lotions from home. Some of those topics that we don't maybe mention every day um, tend to to bring questions and maybe people don't remember those things. So it is important to go over some of those concepts again. Um, So hand hygiene is another topic that um, gets covered on an annual basis. Influenza vaccination and mitigation strategies. Um, Most of the time I do this training closer to flu season, but you could do it, um, you know, if you want to do all your annual training at one time, um, you could do it all at one time, Um, but you want to go over the importance of getting the influenza vaccination, what are all the different mitigation strategies, not coming to work sick, uh, being one of the primary ones aside from getting vaccinated. And also, I like to do a lot of myth busters. There's a lot of myths out there about the influenza vaccine, and so this is a good opportunity to talk about those. Um, COVID-19 vaccination mitigation strategies. So this is another one that's going to get added to our annual list. Um, Most people are doing this right now, um, you know, frequently because there's still many healthcare workers that are not vaccinated for COVID-19. And so this might be something you're already doing, but you might want to add it to your annual list because hopefully one day we are going to have the majority of our healthcare workers be vaccinated. And then it'll just be similar to the flu where we'll just be trying to catch some people that maybe are new to healthcare or were not able to get vaccinated in the past. And then, of course, mitigation strategies. I feel like we're talking about this all the time right now with COVID-19, but this is something that it's important for us to continue to beat that drum of how we prevent COVID-19 just so that people don't forget and they don't become complacent. Device-associated infections. Um, This is one that um, we've talked about for many years. Um, And if you are accredited by the Joint Commission, this is part of the infection prevention standards that you cover certain um, infections on a yearly basis and device-associated infections would be included. So this is where you're gonna talk about your mitigation strategies for central line-associated bloodstream infections, um, catheter-associated urinary tract infections, Um, and ventilator-associated events and or pneumonia. Um, And so this is just a good opportunity to go through all of those things again, um, because just like our other interventions for infection prevention, people forget, um, you know, especially if it's not something that they do frequently. So it's good to go over this again um, and remind them of why we are doing these different strategies. I also think this is a great time to share data. I find that many infection preventionists, myself included, um, you know, we forget to share data with the frontline staff, and it's so important that we share data with them, that they know about their performance, because your data, that infection prevention data, that's not, some of it, yes, is related to what you do as an infection preventionist, but a lot of it is related to what is being done on the front line. And so it's important for them to know how well they are doing, how well they're performing in terms of infection prevention. And so when you're doing this education, you can also share that information because you've just done that annual evaluation, right, that we talked about last week. And so you can share that information. Surgical site infections, if applicable, if you do surgery um, annual basis, it's good to go over the different strategies to prevent surgical site infections um, and all the different um, parts related to that. 
um, high level disinfection if that is applicable. Um, this is something as well that you want to go over on an annual basis, review all the different parameters of using high level disinfectants, um, the logs that need to be maintained, the manufacturer's instructions that need to be followed. Um, this is a good time to reiterate those uh, concepts and make sure that everyone knows what they are supposed to be doing. Multi-drug resistant organisms, um, you want to review what multi-drug resistant organisms you're currently seeing in your facility so that people understand um, what types of pathogens that they could um, be coming in contact with throughout their day and what, what their patients are coming in with. Um, or acquiring while they're in the facility um, and going over all the different concepts of antibiotic stewardship and how we prevent multi-drug resistant organisms. Um, I think this is something that doesn't always get talked about again with the frontline staff about how important it is um, that they are um, doing all the different um, interventions and strategies that are in place um, to prevent the development of multi-drug resistant organisms. And then finally, um, in hand with the multidrug resistant organisms is isolation. On an annual basis, it's important to go over the different types of isolation, what different organisms go into the different types of isolation. Um, this is where you can talk about personal protective equipment, the appropriate use of personal protective equipment. You can really tie a lot of infection prevention into isolation and talking about um, those different concepts during that time. And I would also include cleaning and disinfection, which I think also goes kind of hand in hand with isolation and multi-drug resistant organisms. Um, you know, we've learned so much, especially during the COVID-19 outbreak about how important it is that everyone understands cleaning and disinfection concepts, that they understand contact time, that they know what disinfectants are appropriate for your facility. And this is a great time to bring in some of your um, EVS staff and let them do some of the training because they do this every day. They handle those disinfectants every day. And there's many things that they know or notice that maybe we don't notice as the infection preventionist. And so this is a good time for them to share some of their anecdotes as well and some of the things that they're seeing when they're performing cleaning and disinfectants infection and it really just kind of involves them in the team because they are the experts at cleaning and disinfection. Um, but this is a great time to bring those concepts back, remind people you can't just bring disinfectants in from home. Yes, I have seen that before. I'm sure you have too. Um, lots of reminders that we need to give people so that they um, are doing cleaning and disinfection appropriately. So as I mentioned, this is not an all-inclusive list, but I feel like it does cover the basics. Um, you know, if you are unsure what training is required, check your state regulations, your accrediting agencies, including the Joint Commission, any federal regulations such as OSHA and CMS. Um, you know, I've been doing this for many years, and so I created a list of all the different things that I needed to cover on an annual basis because I felt like... You know, if I didn't create a list that I would forget, and then as new things um, came up throughout the year, I added them to the list. So, you know, now we add COVID-19 to the list. Who knows what we're going to add to the list for next year? 
Um, but I do think it's important to keep this top of mind, not only so that you're meeting all of your regulatory requirements, but also that you are achieving that annual education and really keeping everyone informed so that they know what you're doing in your infection prevention program and that everyone um, really can be on the same page in terms of infection prevention. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you have enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, I'm here to help you increase your infection prevention IQ as well as gain insights about infection prevention that you won't hear anywhere else. Thanks for joining me.